It is the Chicago First podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black on the tour bus right now with Kay Flay. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm very, uh, very happy to be in Chicago right now. Yeah, welcome back home, right? Like, do you feel like this is your home? Because I know that you grew up in the Chicagoland area. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's sort of interesting because I feel like I have two hometowns in a certain way because this is like my life hometown. And then the Bay Area is sort of my musical hometown uh, in the way of the people I met early on who kind of, you know, helped shape my musical career and the first shows I played, all that stuff was kind of in San Francisco, um, East Bay, that area. But yeah, I mean, I have such a deep affection for Chicago. I was actually just chatting this morning um, with a few people about the the kind of like innate humility of the Midwest and how that is a really important thing. And I think I think I didn't even know that that existed until I moved, right. until I lived on both coasts and kind of got to see, with no disrespect to the coastal regions of the world, but right. yeah, it's different. Well, and it is. It's a totally different vibe. Like, I guess, how has that impacted you as an artist? Like, coming from the Midwest, being in, like, you know, the coasts and San Francisco, like, moving around to different regions? I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because I've, in my whole life, never been in one place. Even, you know, I grew up here, but we never were in one house or one place really longer than about four years. So I'm pretty used to, and my parents split up when I was young, and my dad kind of bounced around, and... So I think th- there was a, a certain degree of transience that for me felt uh, good. Right. <laughs> kind of felt like the status quo. Um, and so I think I- I've, I've found that different geographic places really do affect my mood and my creative output, like, in a really positive way. I think having these different sources of stimulation, like, even for this last EP... I did a lot of it out in Nashville, which is a a town I've been to a couple of times, you know, for shows and touring, but certainly never spent any concerted lifetime there. And, you know, but I found that that environment to sort of immediately be very, um, very stimulating and and really fruitful creatively. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about just like different regions, you've been out on the road for a few weeks now. How has this tour been going? This tour has been great. Um, You know, you put out anything into the world you put out a podcast and you don't know you know even every episode like is different and how how things will be received and you know so much is contextual in so many ways uh in great ways because I think that makes life interesting and (laughs) unpredictable but so I yeah I put this EP out and it's been it's been really great I feel like there's a bigger audience that's kind of getting familiar with my music and what I do which is great so this is like yeah, like, we had one show that wasn't quite sold out, but everything else been sold out in advance, and crowds have been crazy, and which is cool, because I've definitely played for, like, five people in a weird bar many times. Yeah, but I think that that really, like, for the artists that don't go through that, who just, like, show up and everything's handed to them, it's, like, it's that old story of, like, they don't really have that kind of tenacity, and they don't know how important it is to keep going, and it doesn't feel as hard-earned, I would imagine, when you are playing like a sold out hometown show or something like that. Totally. I, I was actually having this chat with somebody um, a couple weeks ago that when pe- sometimes people ask me, you know, what was your favorite memory from this tour? Or what's, you know, what are some of your favorite touring experiences? And for me, they are always like 
the time we were like in a shithole and someone threw a brick in our van and like you know it's never like we went to the show and there were showers everywhere and then there was a nice hotel and we all went to bed like it's never that like the best memories and I think the reason that most things in life retain meaning is that there's there's a tension there's a hardship and there's a struggle and I feel like I kind of feel bad sometimes for you know musicians or any kind of artists who like skip that phase the struggle because the struggle is the beautiful part you know that's like before the bands break up that's like you know the the moment when everybody's still I think engaged in that the day-to-day battle of just existing and there's something really beautiful about it yeah now the new EP it's called Crush Me and that came out recently and that's your first one for Interscope right yes so um I signed with them in, I guess, the spring with the EP, like, done. So there was sort of, and most of my my record done as well. So, which was very different to my first signing, uh, where I kind of, you know, I had just begun really doing music and had no idea what I was about or what I wanted to be about. Right. I mean, it's that classic story of, like, yeah, being the new artist and just taking the, the first deal, I'd imagine, and then... Like, how did this differ with Interscope? Like, what kind of lessons did you have, you know, behind you now that this was, a, you know, kind of your second label and you're like, okay, now I know what to do or what not to do, right? Totally. I, I can't really tell you how different it was. For me, what I've likened it to, and I think this, like, resonates with people, is when I signed with RCA, it was like marrying my high school boyfriend at age 19 and being like, I, we're in love and, and sort of having no sense of who I wanted to be independently in the world, you know, uh, and, and this relationship with Interscope is kind of feels like that second marriage when you're like, these are the things I want in a partner and this is who I am. And I have that level of self-awareness, um, to, to be realistic about, you know, who I'm looking for and what I need from this partnership. So, for me, it was, you know, I was, I think I learned a lot of the, the lessons, the, um, maybe the potential impediments of being in a large record label institutional structure, uh, because there's definitely a bureaucracy. I mean, anyone who, even like anyone at a label will tell you that that's just part of like being, uh, working in a company. Um, so I think I had, you know, I had some familiarity and awareness of all that, which was great. And then on the flip side, I had put out my last record independently, and so I actually had gained this, a real appreciation for what labels do and how much of what labels do is very difficult and thankless. So when we started kind of chatting and and that relationship was in its very nascent stage, I was like, this is what I need, this is what I don't need, um... This is what I appreciate. This is what I don't appreciate. And like, by the way, here's all the music. It's done, essentially. Right. And so it was just. It felt like all the cards out, um, which was really good. And they were like, "Yeah, we, we dig it." And I, um, I'm signed through uh, Dan Reynolds, who is right. the singer of Imagine Dragons. His imprint through Interscope. So Dan's been kind of an additional buffer for me, of like. So I, you know, I have total autonomy. So. Well, and it's got to be awesome, I would imagine, to be an artist and then have an artist at the helm of that imprint because then you're not explaining to, like, what people assume is at the head of a record label, which is an old white guy with white hair. But, like, you've got, like, somebody who's in the artist side currently 
you know, and in a real band who I would imagine that kind of like, you know, recognition of your art goes a long way. So definitely. And I think, you know, Dan and the whole Imagine Dragons team, they've, they have a great relationship with the label and they're all great guys, you know, and Dan, Dan's just, um, aside from everything else, a really solid person. And, you know, his goal you know, he had just kind of had an idea of, you know, putting an imprint together, but just didn't meet anybody who was the right fit as an artist and then happened to, you know, we happened to connect and it, it all just kind of made sense. But for him, it's like, you know, I think his, his motive is to, to give somebody he believes in a platform. And for me, it's, you know, to find people that can help incubate the vision and provide that that platform too and and hopefully just expand the vision of the project because you know you come from an indie background and you don't even think certain things are possible or just because not not in a way that you're not hopeful but in a way that your reality is is constricted in a certain sense just due to the right. you know yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. DIY. what you have and what you don't have yeah. yeah now something that's obviously very apparent in your music is that the lyrics and the vocals are so upfront. Those are such like, they're so front and center. And I think that's something that pop music and I know that you're not solely pop, but like pop music you hear on the radio, I think has really gotten away from that in recent years, but your messaging and your storytelling is like very upfront. Why is that such an, like an important component of your, of your art? To me it's kind of everything. It's what, it's what as a listener, I'm always looking for, um, you know, there's certain bands, of course, like I just want to like the instrumentation is so crazy and the time signatures and it's like experimental right. and you People know, listen to Daft Punk to dance okay. now for the lyrics. Exactly. Right. So, you know, there's certain kinds of music that I listen to for different reasons, but the, the artists, the songwriters that I turn to over the course of, let's say the last 15 years, it's always very lyric driven and it's very much um, confessional, transparent kind of lyricism. And that's, you know, I think it took me a little while to realize that that was the common thread because I, you know, I've loved so much hip-hop and rap and, and then these, like, you know, sad, like, indie girls. And, I, you know, thinking about it, it's like, well, at the end of the day, the commonality between, like, let's say, you know, Patti Smith and A Tribe Called Quest is that it's kind of just confessional music. Right. And it's a first-person narrator that feels there. Like, you feel like you understand and know. And so that that's kind of, I think, as I, as I realized that, it was also at the you know, point where I started to see when I was putting out songs that were really honest and felt true to my experience, those tended to be the songs people responded to. Yeah. And they were also the songs I liked writing and liked playing live. And so it was this, uh, almost felt like a co-evolution of that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, listening to the EP and a song like You Felt Right, it's like, I immediately felt like I knew you. And it's like, I, I exactly what you're talking about. Like, the songwriters that I've grown up loving, like an Elliot Smith or something, you would listen to their lyrics, you'd listen to his voice, and... You were like, oh, man, I get what's happening here. I know this person on some level, right? Totally. And I think I have a, a difficult... I don't enjoy um, acting. You know, I think there are, there are certain musicians out there who love to, like, you know, dress up and, like, adopt these personas, which I think is amazing. I just truly do not have the capacity for it. I don't have the bandwidth to, to do that. So it's almost like... 
it's easier for me to just be me, unabashedly me, uh, (laughs) for a number of reasons. And uh, I think it's I think it's cool, too, because right now I know there's a lot of female voices uh, in pop music in particular, but there aren't as many in kind of the alternative world, however you want to define that. And I think there's so many great artists out there that's just not, like, getting that shine. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, I can hopefully be a voice in that world because I think, I think it's missing a little bit. And I don't think my voice is particularly, like, female-coded in a lot of ways. I mean, maybe... It, I mean, I know I sound like a girl, but right. I, in terms of, like, subject matter, I feel like it's um, hopefully kind of extends to, to everybody. But, you know, I do aspire to help you know, be a voice in that that world that feels like those voices don't get heard as much. Well, I mean, just going off what you're talking about, like of being in like the pop and alternative world and, and your music really does kind of live in a lot of these different spaces. Uh, you know, on that note, like you collaborated with Lewis the Child, hometown guys, Lewis the Child earlier this year or maybe late last year. Oh, like, yeah. mm-hmm. how did that come together? And like, you know, that's another space where you were, which is like kind of like the, you know, EDM or dance or electronic world. Yeah, so uh, we actually all went to the same high school, <laughs> which is funny. And we didn't realize that for a little while, but I was playing a show at the House of Blues in Chicago last um, winter, like maybe February or something like that, and they hit me up on Twitter. I'd never heard of them. I mean, they were just... Right, they, they, yeah, last year they were they were yeah, babies. They were just coming out with stuff. Yeah. So they kind of had a few remixes up. Nothing, I don't think they had any original material at that time, and they are just like, hey, you're, we're in, you're in Chicago, like, we should connect in some way. And <laughs> we didn't meet that night because I think, I don't know, it was just a hectic night, but I was like, you know, I always... I'm sort of obsessed with the way that Twitter allows people to collaborate. It's, I think it's like, I know I was actually listening to a This American Life episode. Oh, no, 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 sorry. It was a Fresh Air interview about, like, Twitter trolling and hate speech on Twitter. So I know there are many. Twitter is problematic. Right. Um, and I think it's problematic particularly if you're a journalist right now. Um, or God but, forbid a woman with an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Uh, but for if you if you're using it kind of strictly for creative purposes and and connecting with other creative people, it's I do feel like it's revolutionary. Yeah. Because it used to be like you'd have to meet someone at a festival or at you know how would you connect? There just wasn't that platform. So, anyhow, they they hit me up and I was I checked out their stuff. I thought it was really cool, really fresh, like. And I listen to a lot of electronic music just personally. And, I was, you know, I said, send me over if you have any thoughts, ideas. You know, uh, they sent over kind of that little ding, 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 mm-hmm. at the beginning of that song. And I was in L.A. I had just gone back. I, I just was in the process of moving there. And I just had the idea for the song I recorded in my kitchen. That's the, I mean, that's the vocal. That's... And I yeah. sent it to them, and then they the drop wasn't there yet, and the song was very, very in the beginning stages. But they they hit me, they called me right away, like super stoked, and I was like, I think this could be a really special song too. Well, I was gonna say, like, did you know it was gonna be as big as it was? Because I feel like obviously Lewis the Child had stuff going on before then, you had stuff going on then, but I feel like that became a really big national look for you. I mean, to the point where Taylor Swift put it on one of her lists, which is I would imagine surreal. Yeah, it was. I, I don't think I had any idea that... I thought if people heard it, they would like it. You know, I didn't right. think it would right. <laughs> engender <laughs> massive hatred. But I certainly didn't 
anticipate it having such a big reach. And I think, you know, I think it boils down. I, I feel like that song is a great, it's a true collaboration because lyrically, melodically, that is my perspective, you know, and it's, again, getting back to that, to songwriting, you know, to me that's a song that does tell a story and it's a story that has been true for me. So it did feel quite representative of, of my style, my perspective, and then instrumentally and production-wise, I think it's it's kind of, it's, a, it's different, and right. I think it really reflects their style... Um, you know, as producers and artists too. So it just just felt really good. It felt it felt like one of those things that happens, and everyone's excited about it just because it it was a great partnership. Yeah, and very organic. Yeah, completely organic. Yeah. So looking ahead at next year, because we're almost at 2017, um, which is crazy. Um, you you mentioned the full length that's coming out in Interscope. What can you tell us about that? So the full length, um, and I don't even know what if what the hell I'm supposed to be saying about it. Uh, it's it's main, it's done, you know. There, I have a lot of songs that are that are written and uh, could could be on this record that I'm that I feel really proud of and excited about. And you know, I think getting back to our our discussion earlier of just sort of an honest perspective, I feel like there's a there are some definite different genres represented on it, but in a way that's you know that's the way I like to do it, and uh, but I, th- I feel like there's that common thread of a that the narrative voice running through and and tying it all together. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the songs. I did a lot of them in Nashville, out in the countryside at the studio I've been working at. Uh, the rest I pretty much did in LA, and yeah, it'll be out uh, sooner rather than later, and uh, I'll be announcing all that stuff next early next year. But uh, but yeah, I'm really I'm really excited about it and I feel like the the EP's sort of it's like the you know a little sneak peek like into the spirit of it it's the teaser trailer mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh Cave Flay the new record is out now um it's called Crush Me right mm-hmm. uh and then full length coming next year both on Interscope thank you so much for taking the time tonight this was awesome like this was a total blast to talk to you I'm so glad we got to connect thank you yeah thank you for having me and and <laughs> excuse me like I say uh, it's it's interesting having some not you know not living in the in the Midwest and most of my family actually left Chicago so I sort of I don't you know I don't come back here for Christmas and, and things like that so whenever I'm back for a show that's kind of it's almost like the holidays I have that same sort of feeling and it's a it's a really nice feeling and so yeah I just want to say you know this is a great place to be so if you're here good job that's awesome. Kayfly, thank you so much. Thanks. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.